This is Jim Poitras with the Poitras Ponderings podcast, but also Missions Mentor. And we have a very special guest with us for this episode today. Uh, his name is Dan McLeod. He comes from Canada, and he will explain a little bit more about himself in just a couple of minutes. But we really appreciate Brother McLeod and his work on the AIM program. Uh, one of our short-term missionaries in the United Pentecostal Church, and also one of the speakers on a Zoom conference called Mission to Multiply uh, that took place just this past Saturday, where Brother McLeod did some phenomenal teaching on hearing the voice of God. He did so well that I uh, messaged him immediately and wanted him to be on this podcast. So we're going to flip the script today and turn things over to our guest, Dan McLeod. Welcome, Brother McLeod. Thank you, Brother Poitras. It's an honor to be on the podcast with you today. And as Brother Poitras mentioned, uh, I'm serving on the AIM program, basing in Latvia, serving under missionaries Mark and Robin Schutz. And we are very grateful for that opportunity and just grateful to be here with you today. Uh, as he mentioned, our subject today is the voice of God. And this is something uh, that is dear to me. And this particular passage that I'll direct our attentions to today uh, was new to me. In fact, the Lord just began to deal with me about it the other day. First uh, Samuel 3, I think, is an amazing passage of scripture uh, when you're talking about the call of God. And admittedly, uh, especially in youth settings, I was privileged to serve as a district youth president for five years. And so Given that opportunity to minister youth, uh, this was a passage frequently uh, that I would take as a text when preaching the call of God. We find the story of Samuel uh, when the Lord begins to call him. But just a few days ago, the Lord really began to highlight several portions of this text to me uh, in specific to the voice of God. And so this will be the basis uh, for where I take my thoughts today, 1 Samuel 3. Uh, verses 1 through 14, and obviously we won't read that in its entirety, uh, but paraphrase bits and pieces of this story. Uh, when you open 1 Samuel 3, the Bible gives us the setting that Samuel is a child. He ministered before the Lord and, and before Eli, and so he is in a certain environment, and I think that's important for us to understand. Uh, the first thing I want to emphasize we find in verse 3. It says Samuel was laid down to sleep. And so the scripture is letting us know that it was nighttime. Now, I don't think there's anything particularly special about night, except for the fact the Bible is letting us know it was an environment that was void of distraction. And there was not a lot of things competing for the attention of Samuel at this time or in this place. When they were laid down to sleep, if you could imagine uh, when you lay down to sleep, uh, all of the, the technology that you have interacted with through the day is turned off. It's put away. And so it's in this environment of stillness, of quietness, where there is very few, if perhaps not anything at all, competing for his attention, that the voice of the Lord begins to speak to him. It's here in verse four, the scripture says that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here am I. And so emphasizing that the voice of the Lord first comes to him in this place of solitude or quietness where he is not fighting with distraction. Now, prior to this, the scripture does emphasize two things. It emphasized that Samuel 
is in the temple of God, and he is where the ark of God is. And to me, this speaks of two elements of what I would call spiritual lifestyle or discipline that should be active in our life that will help uh, get us on the right frequency to discern the voice of the Spirit. Uh, When the Bible says the house of God, I liken that to a corporate discipline, our connection with the church at large, our attendance on midweek Bible study and Sunday worship. It's our faithfulness to the house of God, which is a vital discipline if we're going to hear the voice of God. Second is the ark of God, which we understand to represent the spirit of God. And I liken that to a personal discipline. We understand that uh, it is possible to sometimes go to the house of God, but personally be distant from the spirit of God. And so both of these spiritual disciplines are vitally important. We have to be committed to the house of God, the body at large, but there also has to be an element of personal devotion where we are personally connecting with the spirit of God. And so when we see this mention of the temple of God and the ark of God, I simply liken that to us as New Testament believers of having a lifestyle that has us connected to the house of God and the spirit of God. And as much as the voice of God comes to him in the nighttime, which is a time void of distraction, it also emphasizes to us these two things, letting us know that they're all significant contributing factors to our ability to hear the voice of God. And here comes the Lord in the night to Samuel, and the Bible says he calls him. On the first instance, we have no indication from the text what exactly God says, but that he does call Samuel. And I call this the introduction. When the Lord comes to us, I think he comes simply to introduce himself. And as we move through the text, we'll see the progression of this story and what the voice of the Lord is saying to Samuel. But it's very noteworthy to me that on this first occasion, the scripture does not tell us what God says. It's simply the Lord coming and introducing himself to Samuel. It's him coming, trying to get Samuel's attention. And now the responsibility is on Samuel to respond. Now, there's a very unique exchange over the next several verses because this, remember, is a new experience for Samuel. He is learning to hear the voice of God. And at first, he likens this voice to the priest Eli. And over the next several verses, you can read how when the voice of the Lord comes to him, he awakens and he runs to Eli thinking that Eli has called him. And over the first few exchanges, Eli is, no, it's not me, and sends him back. And I'm sure that this sense of uncertainty gave Samuel a longing to know more. It made him hunger to be more aware, more discerning. And so when he goes back, uh, the scripture lets us know the Lord comes yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and goes to Eli again. And so we see this same sequence being played out time and time again. What is unique to me about the second time that God calls Samuel as opposed to the first time? The first time the scripture says he calls him with no indication of what God says. The second time when the Lord comes and speaks to him, he calls Samuel by name. He comes and says, Samuel. To me, the fact that God would use his name is is intimate. It's personal. And so we're seeing a progression in the conversation in the voice of the Lord. On the first instance, it is a focus on introduction. He is simply 
giving Samuel an opportunity to show his interest by responding. On the second occasion, when he calls him by name, this tells me that God is becoming personal with Samuel. He's trying to develop a sense of intimacy or personal relationship with him. And this is a major part, I think, of us learning to hear the voice of the Lord. I say this, that God identified Samuel. He did not instruct him. I think many times when we as Christians and certainly as ministers, people who are serving in God's kingdom, think of the voice of the Lord. Uh, we think of instruction or information because we are often trying to make sense of situations or trying to figure out what to do. And certainly there is a place for that, and we will get there in a moment. But I want to emphasize that before God gives Samuel any information, before he gives him any instruction, he calls him by name. He simply becomes personal with him because I think at the foundation of every ministry, and certainly should be every life, is the fact that God simply wants to be in relationship with us. And so he comes to call Samuel, puts the responsibility to respond upon Samuel, which he does. He is seeking to understand. And the Lord comes again, this time calling him by name, which tells me God is very interested in a personal relationship with us. The voice of God did not first come for ministry, it came for relationship. And through this series of events, Eli begins to discern that the Lord is trying to speak into the life of Samuel and gives him this instruction. He says, Samuel, next time you hear this voice, I want you to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And to me, this is a such a powerful principle of devotion, prayer, learning to hear the voice of God. You don't learn to hear the voice of God simply by talking. You learn to hear the voice of God by listening. I remember uh, early in my walk with the Lord, uh, many times feeling frustrated in my time of devotion because uh, I would want to pray for longer periods of time like a lot of the elders I admired. I would hear of 30-minute prayer meetings and hour-long prayer meetings and all-night prayer meetings. And I would think, well, how in the world do, do they have so much to talk to God about? Where do they come up with the words to say all of these things for so long? And I would often feel frustrated at that time. And admittedly, at this season of my life, when I look back on those years, a lot of my prayer time was me telling God what I thought should happen, uh, how I, you know, when I wanted it to happen and how it should happen. And I didn't spend a lot of time listening. And what I learned over time was uh, it is vitally important for me to talk to God. I think effective prayer requires us to be raw, very real with our emotions and, and talk to the Lord just as we would talk to anybody. And saying that, just as I would engage in conversation with any other relationship in my life, there are moments in that conversation where I will pause and give space for that individual to respond to me. I really had to learn that discipline in my prayer. I had to uh, relieve myself of the pressure of feeling like I needed to fill a segment of time talking to God nonstop. And I had to learn to give pause in that time of communication and see what the Lord was saying to me. And that's what's happening in 1 Samuel 3. Uh, Samuel is uh, keenly aware that, that someone is calling him 
But thinking being the priest, he is seeking out Eli. And at the point that Eli becomes aware that this is the Lord, he redirects Samuel's attention and says, next time this happens, acknowledge the Lord. Say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And this this tells me that our ability to sometimes silence ourselves, even if just for a simple moment and turn our ear to God and simply listen. This is how we learn the voice of God. There has to be moments where uh, in that place that is void of distraction, in the stillness of Samuel's night, where we turn our ear and simply listen to hear what God is saying. And as the story progresses, uh, the Lord does begin to speak some things to him. And on that last occasion, what is amazing to me is the significance of the information that God trusts Samuel with. Remember, this is a, a young man who is learning the voice of God for the first time. And when you read the weight of the words that, that God speaks to Samuel, this is significant. Now, here is the progression. On the first occasion, we find the Lord introducing himself to Samuel. The responsibility is upon him to respond, which he does. And when the Lord sees this interest, he comes again. The second time, he comes more personable. He calls Samuel by name. And so we have a progression from introduction to relationship. And then on this last occasion, we find the sharing of information. And ultimately, as you go through the story, you discover that God releases him. And even Eli asks for it, that he would be told what the Lord has spoken. And so there's both information and instruction happening in this story. I think many times, if if we're not careful, we can fall into the temptation of seeking the information and the instruction without having a strong emphasis on that relationship. And what we see in this story, I believe, is the progression of God teaching us how to learn to hear his voice. He introduces himself. He seeks to establish a personal relationship with us. And on the foundation of that relationship built on God being able to trust us, on our love for him, on that sense of intimacy, he begins to share information with us. And we begin to receive that, uh, inquire instruction of God. And that is what ministry is. Uh, I think many times also in ministry, you know, we are tasked with the responsibility as we serve in God's kingdom of trying to hear the voice in very distracting environments. Ministry on the on the grassroots level, on the ground level, uh, when you're serving in a local church, when, when you're going to work throughout the week, when you're teaching a Bible study at a coffee shop, when you are, you know, entering into uh, missions on the other side, so all of these environments are, are so overcome with distraction, especially in 2021. Uh, there are so many voices competing for our attention. And so if we do not learn the voice of God before getting into those environments, it can become detrimental to us because in those environments, it can be very difficult to discern the voice of God because there is so much distraction and so much competing for our attention. And that's why I see the significance of, of what we're talking about in 1 Samuel 3, that the Lord was intentional about first coming to Samuel in a time of seclusion and stillness 
because he wanted him to learn to hear his voice with such clarity. Because though we learn it in that setting best, the reality is, is we do have to know it in places and times of great distraction. As much as all of us would uh, delight to, to do ministry in times and places where we are not uh, tempted with distraction and fighting competing voices, the reality is most of us, I think, will live our lives and, and fulfill our ministry and calling before God in environments and places where there is constant temptation and distraction uh, that would make hearing the voice of God more difficult. And this is why it is so vitally important that we learn the voice of God before stepping into those places of service, which is exactly what we're watching unfold in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 3. Then there is an amazing, amazing statement uh, in 1 Samuel 3 and chapter 10. It says, the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. And emphasizing those words as at other times. Why this is significant to me is because uh, several years ago, the Lord began to deal with me when we were in Halifax about a concept called spiritual patterns. And I noticed when I was going through the scripture, there were many places where I would observe a pattern, whether it was a pattern that the Lord seemed to follow or that people who were close to the Lord seemed to follow. Uh, there was an indication in scripture that there was this pattern or this practice that was done repetitively. And I took notice of this because nowhere in the text was there any indication that it was required of them. It wasn't a law. They were not bound to this practice. They were not required to do it this way. But outside of the law, even though it wasn't required, it was done. And there are several examples of this. Uh, when you look at the fact that worship and tithing, sacrifice existed prior to the law, uh, to me that tells me this is a spiritual pattern that became a law, but these practices existed before the law. We can read uh, the life of Abraham. The Bible speaks of how he came and stood before the Lord at the same time and the same place as at other times before. We see it in the life of Adam in the Garden of Eden, how the Lord came to walk with him in the cool of the day. The the text is clear that uh, this was something they had done other times before. And so what I see is you enter into relationship with the Lord, that there are these patterns that, that the Lord will establish with people. And I think as we learn as individuals to identify and discern those patterns, it can allow us to become Uh, more effective in what God is calling us to do. And what the scripture tells us in 1 Samuel 3 and 10 is the Lord came to Samuel exactly as he had at other times. And so from Samuel's perspective, he is beginning to observe a pattern that the way this presence and this voice is coming to me, it's coming the same way every time. And what that does for Samuel is it allows him to develop a sense of uh, increased awareness. He is more understanding. He can become more sensitive to that because as he fulfills his ministry, his life will take him into very unique circumstances and challenging environments. But it's his ability to discern this pattern that will allow him to hear the voice of God clearly in those other environments.
Now, specifically, um, when we talk about the voice of God, uh, taking 1 Samuel 3, here is an application I would liken it to in, in closing. All of us, I think, at some time have been in an environment where uh, all of a sudden we feel an impression come to us. We, we feel something. We may say, I sense this. And, but it's a feeling that, that comes upon us quickly. I can think of many different occasions where this has happened. Uh, but I've been in cities before where I've been walking downtown in a city and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a sense of feeling will come upon or fear will come upon me. And you almost catch yourself and wonder, where did that come from? Why, why am I feeling this? What we're sensing is, is the spirit of an area. And when that feeling comes upon us, if we do not discern it as what it is, and we take ownership of that, what happens is that impression becomes a thought. And so I feel afraid and I will begin to think a thought such as this. I'm not safe. What's going to happen to me? And I, I begin to, in my mind, that thought begins to create a scenario and that scenario becomes a picture or an imagination. I have created something in my mind that is not real but it's real to me. And my perception of that begins to influence how I think and feel what I say, even how I act. What we're experiencing in that moment is the voice of the enemy working through what the Bible calls strongholds, the prince and power of the air. But notice the progression. What began as a feeling or an impression became a thought, knowledge, words in our head that begin to write a story and that story creates a picture and where just moments ago we felt afraid we have now perhaps created an entire scene in our mind where we are uh, inflicted harm maybe somebody steals our purse or uh, we are struck by a car in a crosswalk it's the craziest of things but how quickly we go from a feeling to an imagination. Uh, and what we need to understand is this, is that the enemy has learned how to communicate effectively with our spiritual man because he once was in a spiritual environment with our king and our Lord, and he has no creative power. He is simply reactive. And so he has taken the truths of God and manipulated them for his purpose. And so here's what this tells me. And I think we see this when you look at Paul's writing, uh, both in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, you can see so many of these concepts uh, in those letters. But the Lord speaks to us in the same way. The Lord will give us an impression. We will feel just such a, a subtle nudge. Sometimes it is so subtle that we just casually pass by. Many times I think when we we talk about the voice of the Lord, uh, we think, well, I, I'm hoping for an angel to appear or for some notable supernatural demonstration where there is no question that this must be God. And certainly uh, there are times that God does that. But Many times in our personal and daily lives, it's that subtle impression. It's that gentle nudge. And as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, that sense of maturity should be to discern that nudge. When we feel that gentle impression, we don't 
ignore it. We don't shrug it off. We recognize it and we begin to inquire of the Lord. We ask the Lord, you know, what is it you are impressing me about? What is it you are trying to say? And we watch this same progression. What begins as an impression from the Spirit, God will then begin to speak words. Thoughts will come to us that are words that provide us information or instruction. This tells us what God is trying to say, what God is trying to do. And as God gives us these words, we will have a picture of this in our mind. This is the principle of uh, working together with the Lord. Jesus said, I only do the works that I see my father do. And I think many times we, we recognize uh, that, that heightened level of ministry, that place of effectiveness, but it's easy to become frustrated if we don't know how to get there. And what I'm seeing in 1 Samuel 3 and what I'm seeing through these principles of the voice of God found in the New Testament is that the Lord has given us a pattern to discern his voice that will allow us to have a greater, more intimate relationship with him and to have a more fruitful and effective ministry as we fulfill our calling. This is the pattern on how we can learn to hear the voice of the Lord. Thank you so much for this rich, amazing, excellent uh, presentation uh, and articulation on hearing the voice of God. I was sitting here thinking that uh, through the years working with people who want to obey God's will and God's voice in their life, that some of these topics, finding the will of God, the call of God, hearing the voice of God, uh, those are topics that come up in my reading and my thinking over and over again. And I don't think that I've heard any presentation any better on hearing the voice of God than from you, Brother McLeod. So I really appreciate that uh, very much. Appreciate the anointing, the evident anointing on your life and on your ministry and uh, how that you have been always open to doing the will of God, have done great things in the past. And we believe that you'll continue to do great things in the future. And the name Dan McLeod, Dan McLeod, you'll hear that name over and over again in missions in the future. Thank you for your work in Latvia, uh, your work with uh, Revival by Design, the RK Rodenbush uh, Training Center, whatever you're involved with over there, you always do everything you do with excellence. And uh, you're one of the people that I know of that has probably more books than I do, but not as many books as uh, Brother David K. Bernard. So. Keep on reading, keep on studying. I wonder if you'd go ahead and pray over our audience today, someone that may be seeking the will of God, the call of God, wanting to hear the voice of God. Would you pray over us today? Yes, sir. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every listener of this podcast. I thank you for the call of God that is upon their life. I thank you for the kingdom purpose that you have established for them. Lord, I know we are living in a great hour. You are readying the world for the greatest harvest we have ever seen. And soon you are going to pour out your call in a way unlike ever before. And I pray that each listener would take the principles that we have discussed here today and that you would apply them to their lives, that they would learn to hear your voice in greater clarity, in greater measure. I pray, God, that they would hear your call with certainty, 
I pray every distraction would be silenced, that they would clearly know your plan and your will. I pray your blessing upon each one, your favor upon each one. I pray, Lord, that you would pour out unprecedented resources to enable globally minded people to serve your kingdom with freedom and with effectiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.